Excuse me, <coughs> are you recording? I'm going to kick off this magic last show. This is Paul Ash, my last ever show at Voice of Wits. So it's going to be quite a rocker. Starting off with John Cougar Mellencamp and a track called Rumble Seat. Cheers. There's something quite amazing about the fact that in the year 2019, I'm still using cassettes. Out there, there are people who say this is the worst tech ever invented for sound. And they may be right. Cassette tapes are fragile. They stretch. The mechanism is clunky. They're not as convenient as, say, a digital recorder is. And yet, with all these shortcomings, cassettes endure. Maybe not as well as vinyl, but they endure nonetheless. The National Audio Company in America makes 10 million cassettes a year. Okay, a lot of them go into the prison system because you can't smuggle anything in these tech shells. But it's not only prisoners who use tapes. Bands such as Smash and Pumpkins and artists like Ariana Grande have also in recent years released albums on tape. Part of it is to do with the fact that tapes are very hard to pirate. You really need, you know, a decent player if you're going to do it at all well. But there's also a certain coolness to the tape. It's something you can hold in your hand. You can hear the cassette motion rattle. And yes, we all know the tapes stretch like crazy, but do it right. And you have that incredible warm sound that audiophiles just absolutely love. There's something else. Tapes are about democracy. The invention of the cassette tape allowed indie bands to buck the system. All you had to do was get a tape in a studio, put your demo onto tape, and then send it off to a radio station. And you could get heard. You could bypass the record companies that were either ignoring you or... You could just, you know, cut out the middleman who are going to charge you a whack of money and then produce an album. It's good to remember what democracy is all about, and the cassette tape is all about that. I've still got a huge collection of tape. All right, so people say I'm the keeper of lost causes, and that may be true. You know, I like steam engines, propeller-driven aircraft. I even like vinyl. But there's something about my tapes, and it's, the, it's what they do for me in terms of memory. Apart from all the music I recorded when I was at Voice of Wits, the campus radio station, back in the 90s, I've also got recordings I've done as a journalist. There's me interviewing a demining expert in a field, in a minefield in Mozambique. This is uh, the PMN. It's a uh, Russian-made last mine and one of the most commonly used mines in uh, Mozambique. When you disarm this mine, what you do have to be careful with is not to put any pressure on the plate on the top, then the mine will go off. I've got sounds of trains, steam trains, running through the Mozambican bush. I have 
tapes of my dad dictating letters to his secretary. And as boring as they are, that's his voice, clear and beautifully captured, like he did the tapes yesterday. And these tapes are made mm, in the 80s. Paragraph. I now must correct some possible errors or misconceptions. Paragraph. Your letter is addressed to Mrs. Kim Ash, but starts with the words... Colon, dear sir, comma, dash, perhaps you were covering both bases. Full stop. Kim is, comma, in fact, comma, a boy's name, usually derived from Rudyard Kipling's well-known book about a little urchin, comma, orphan boy in India. Full stop. When I, italicized, I was a little boy, I found it quite confusing, as it was a popular name for dogs, dash, but at least they were usually Great Danes or Alsatians, semicolon. In my adolescence, I became further confused when the name was misappropriated by a number of bimbo actresses and then taken up by some of the yuppie set in naming their daughters. Full stop. I am now reconciled to the fact that it is ambivalent, dash, like Pat, comma, Leslie, and a few others. Full stop. Look up to the tape and it will reward you with unblemished sound 20, 30, 40 years after the event. Yeah, sure, it degrades. But when I listen to those tapes of me in the minefield in Mozambique, I'm utterly transported to that time and that place. More than a photograph could do, more even than a video could do. about the sound, the way it fills your head, that um, just transports you. And yeah, I mean, I could have done it in digital, but the point is, back when I was doing these recordings, I didn't have a digital recorder. I had a Sony WM-D6C professional Walkman. Fantastic, fantastic piece of gear. I made this podcast a couple of years ago and I've updated it because of Retrograde, the name of my column in Sunday Times Lifestyle. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to four people who work at the Sunday Times and for whom making mixtapes was once part of their lives. First up is Sue DeCroote, Deputy Features Editor of the Sunday Times. This is what she remembers about tape. Tell me about how you used to... Um what do you used to do with tape and recording the top 20? I had a little portable cassette player with one of those pull-out handles and the buttons at the end. And you used to sit and record the, it was the top 50 on a Sunday, actually. And um, get really annoyed when the announcer would speak over the end of the song and to introduce the next one because you'd have to hit it off quickly and then your songs would end with, and that was so-and-so, which was extremely annoying. What about that whole thing with uh, home taping is killing music? Yeah, I think we kind of ignored that. We passed records around and recorded them anyway. Did you go to Beat Street and places like that? No, no. Uh, we went to the record library in Hilbar. Borrowed records there, but they were mostly fairly scratched. What did you do with your tapes? I kept them in a... What you mean afterwards? I, I had a, those suitcase things, those flat suitcases. They came in bright colours, leather and stuff, and kept them in there. But then they'd end up in the wrong boxes, and there'd be tapes without boxes and boxes without tapes. Um, I don't know what happened to them. 
really. And a few shoeboxes left, but I suppose they just got, they'd, they'd break sometimes, but um, I think that's when one overplayed them, and you'd have to pull the bits out, and they'd be all scrunched up, and then pull, rewind them around a pencil. What's the first tape you ever got? It was a, I got two at the same time. One I'm ashamed to say was Christa Berg's Spanish Train, and the other was the thing called Kalahari Rock, which I vaguely remember. It was some one-hit wonder South African rock band that probably disappeared the next week, but it had a, a really nice yellow cover. Did any boys send you mixtapes? Yes. Um, yeah, I got one recently, in fact. <laughs> I think one would make them according to... It wasn't always for people, I think. We'd make, I'd make mixtapes for myself according to what music I liked at the time um, and play them in the car because we only had cassette players in the car then. And um, so to have a mix of your favourite music. But then, of course, one's favourite music changes. So, you know, once you start getting a bit tired of all the dreary Leonard Cohen's and so on, wanting something a bit more upbeat and then something like... Um, I don't know, REM or Foreigner or something that we all loved at the time, but it starts wearing a bit thin after a while, so you change your tastes. So tell me about the boys who gave you mixtapes. What kind of tapes did they make for you? <laughs> um, I remember one had things like Eagles Desperado on it, which I'm not sure why. <laughs> and another had kind of, not house music, but kind of um, what you'd call Porter's Head and those kind of things. It's not trance quite either. I don't know what the genre is. And then the best one I got was just a year or so ago, which was from my boy. <laughs> what did it do for you, getting mixtapes from boys? I think it's a lovely thing. It speaks of a great deal of effort that all the time that they've been making that tape, they've been concentrating on you, which of course is not really true because what they've done is get lost in the music and go, oh, I like this song. I think I'll put that on. <laughs> not thinking that the song's words go, baby, I never want to see you again. <laughs> yeah, like uh, You Are My Sunshine, which I put on your tape. <laughs> but I love that. Mm -hmm. That is. <laughs> when you listen to things more deeply, I, I suppose that's the thing. I think girls go more deeply into the words of songs and boys listen to the music of the songs and don't necessarily listen to the nuances of the lyrics. No, we're just making a tape for a girl. <laughs> but it is lovely to think that someone's gone to that, ever there's planned it, sat there recording, you know, lined up the albums or the CDs or whatever it is they're recording from and done all this for you. It's a lovely thing. Carlos Amato, the former editor of Sunday Times Lifestyle, has this to say about his tape memories. Looking at that tape, Carlos, yes. the dynamics and its little box, what does that do to you? What kind of triggers does it? As I put the cassette into the box and move it out again, I get a little thrill down my spine and neck. And I remember the very first tape I ever bought, which was in 1988, seven, somewhere around there. Terence Trent Darby introducing the hardline according to Terence Trent Darby which I then listened to repeatedly for about 12 hours on a on a family road trip to the Eastern Cape until the tape began to bend and blur and Terence Trent Darby's voice turned into a kind of swoony drawl ah it's great such a great feeling to hold this thing and I probably used cassettes until the mid-90s, 
But actually, no, it also reminds me of before that of learning from my sister how to tape off the radio and trying to anticipate when the DJ will intervene and just cutting him off. And she taught me to love Nick Kershaw. Uh, who else was it? Mainly Nick Kershaw, Duran Duran, Billy Ocean, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. This was 1984, five, six. And yeah, we just made mixes. And we carried on making mixes way into the 90s. I used to make them in matric. I used to insert, like, make little collages of the, of the liner notes, you know, stick things on, doodle on them, make each other mixes. Wonderful. Did you make mixes for girls? Yeah, yeah, with too little effect. But uh, it was still worth the effort. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about tape? I mean, what does it do to you? Why the nostalgia? Why the, why the feeling? Um, is there something about the medium? I mean, it's quite a crap medium, and yet it isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose the, the fuzzy sound... It wasn't always fuzzy. Was it fuzzy when it got older? No, it was fuzzy from the start. Eh? There was always a little hiss. Yeah, the cheapness of it. The fact that it was, it was that a kid could go out with some pocket money for three or four weeks and go out and buy one of these. It was magic. And then it got expensive. CDs became a bit of a luxury. And now it's free. And it seems maybe the tape was the sort of perfect balance between... Well, obviously, if you, if you taped off the radio, it was free too. So it was, it was, it was democratic. It was, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. What was the secret behind a mixtapes and b taping off the radio? The secret was, you had to have a lot of patience, and you had to sit through four hours of the chart show, and edit out all the crap, and wait for the song that you loved. And often it it would cut, it would go higher and higher in the chart. And you got more and more excited as it got closer to the top. And, uh, yeah, and there was that thrill as it came. Yeah, I loved that. I loved that. Listening to my first um, Bob Marley uh, Rastaman vibration. That was also in the late 80s. Oof, lovely. And just going down the street with your tape deck. Before the days of, of Walkman. But you, you had your tape deck. And you could go anywhere. Lovely. Would you do it again? Yeah, I would like a tape deck right now. I would like to have a cassette right now. Can you buy these blacks? Yeah. And they still sell them in stores? Uh, I reckon. You can buy them on eBay. New releases? Hmm? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. No. Probably somewhere in Africa they sell new releases. Yeah, I'd love it. I want one. Now I hear Pearl Boshamani, editor of Sunday Times Lifestyle. Pearl's a millennial, so she doesn't really remember tape, not like us crusty sort of um, codgers do. But she has a different access, a different memory of the medium. Tape means to me, it makes me think of my childhood, firstly, because I think that's the last time I ever used, um, particularly a cassette tape, because uh, we're not talking about videotapes, are we? Okay. So it makes me think of my childhood, uh, listening to a lot of radio, a lot of um, music radio, especially 5FM, and recording songs that the DJ was playing and trying to stop the song just before the DJ would announce what song it was so that you could play that song without DJ's voice interrupting the beauty of the song. Now, it's such a universal South African childhood thing, doing skillum recording off the radio. Yeah. 
It is, it is. And having lyric books as well. Um, I actually don't know why we did that, but that used to occupy a lot of my time, I think because we didn't have the internet. And if I wasn't reading a book, I certainly was listening to a lot of music. It was a lot of like uh, Backstreet Boys and Blackstreet, funnily enough. And um, also probably imagining I was a pop star, so that you know I could re- re- listen to the songs again and sing along and imagine that I was famous. Now, what kind of nostalgia do you have around tape? If I say a word to you, tape, or do you have your tapes? I mean, what does the word do to you? Brings a smile on my face. It makes me think of a simpler time. Strangely enough, it makes me think of. Um, even just, you know, VHSs and just just chilling, being a kid, having fun, not thinking about bills, not being an adult. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that's something more, more genuine and more. you became more attached to tapes than you would be, for instance, to a memory stick now and just downloading music on the internet because there was so much effort, the physical effort of, you know, pressing the play and sitting next to the radio and listening until the song ends, they can stop it, as opposed to now on the internet where everything's pretty much done for you. You know, you just, oh, find something, click download, put on a memory stick, lose it, don't lose it, whatever. So did boys ever make mixtapes for you? Never. You missed out. Never, ever, ever. And I went to girls' schools, and you know, girls liking girls in any way was completely forbidden at the time. So we didn't even make mixtapes for each other, although we shared music with each other as friends. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I've got that song, and you know, you'd share it with each other. But nobody's ever made a mixtape for me. Yeah, because one of my friends told me yesterday, nothing proved your love like a mixtape you'd make for your lover. Well, you know what? By the time that I started dating, which was around a trick, um, it was more CD players. So you'd get like, you know, files on a CD, MP3 files. Not very romantic. <laughs> There's nothing romantic about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tell me, do you still have any real tapes? No. And nothing to play them on? No, nothing to play them on, firstly. Um, I haven't seen a, a tape player or a tape recorder in a long time until now, which is one that you have on you. Um, no, I don't even know where I'd start looking for one and what tapes I'd be playing. You'd be playing all your old radio tapes. You're right. I wish I'd kept those. Alan Seckham, the mining writer for Business Day, gave me a thorough and in-depth explanation of what it took to make a decent mixtape. Why did you like tape? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to let it roll. That's like me starting an interview with the CIA saying, I know. tell me about your company. <laughs> You had nice things to say about making mixtapes. No, oh, I think that was the important thing, is that um, when you took time to make a mixtape, uh, it showed how committed you were to, to that woman, because you had to, firstly, well, the way I did it was write, write down the list of songs that I wanted, then calculate the times, and depending on the length of the tape, you worked out the song, the song order and the song list, and it took bloody hours to, to put a tape together, and I thought that was a real mark of love. And nowadays, all you do is drag and drop something in iTunes and stick it on a CD or on a memory stick and give it to them. Now, how's that? How's that special? But the mixtape of records was truly something, something special. And uh, damn, I don't think the woman really appreciated how much effort went into making that thing perfect. What kind of feedback did he get? Okay, but <laughs> yeah. what kind of response did you get? No, invariably it was a thank you and 
then she went off and listened to it. And she either liked it or she didn't. I, 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 there was never an appreciation of, geez, this must have taken hours. It was either they liked it or didn't like it. Was there like kind of a, you know, this guy is really special and I'm going to hang around, or it was just like, oh, no. thanks for the mixtape? Yeah, no, thanks for the mixtape. Yeah. But the other, of course, the other use was that you couldn't listen to records in the car, clearly. So you also did mixtapes for yourself, for the car. And that, that, that was awesome. That was just, that was you and your music. And um, taking the best that you could off your records and putting them onto tape. And yeah, that, that was it. But living in Durban, the heat and the humidity, if you left those tapes out, you'd come back to this melting mass of plastic on your dashboard and <laughs> that'd be your mix gone and you'd have, to, you'd have to restart the entire process. And that was labour of love, that, but, but self-love. <laughs> <laughs> Did you keep any of your tapes? Oh yeah, I've still got loads of them. Um, in fact... When I was very young, I'd written to my gran to ask a story about her brother who had been a prisoner of war. And she found it too long to write out, so she taped it. And I've still got that tape, and I played it just recently. And I put it onto digital and sent it to my dad, his mom. And it freaked him out. But the fact that, what, 30 years later, I can still hear my gran's voice. You know, she's long since dead. And um, it's still there, and I played it. And so my, my son, who's never seen a tape, was listening as well. And just, yeah. I don't know, it's quite special. Yeah, I've got it, all those old tapes. It is quite special. It's like um, probably more special than finding it on digital. I don't know. Um, I, I, I think the whole process of listening to a tape, unlike record or vinyl, is, you know, vinyl's very much a, a labor of love. It's, you know, uh, taking it out of its sleeve, cleaning it, putting it on, getting the needle set and, and then getting up half an hour later to turn it all over and start the process again. But tape, yeah, t tape you put in and you, you have that click and, and off it goes and there's that little pause as the tape sort of spools on and it's that weight. I know, I, I like that, sure. There's like a physicality to it, I'm going to give you a tape. It does have a physicality and, and it was opening the box and looking at it and, and also the little reader notes inside the tape box, which are always quite special. And another marketry love when you're doing a mixtape is if you took the time to write the song list. So it wasn't just a mass of songs that she was listening to. And the true anorak would have put down the times next to them. I didn't go that far. But I did take the time to write down the, the song list on the uh, paper insert. And then what did you do when you ran out of space on the front of the card? No, I didn't. I wrote very small. Thanks. <laughs> 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 I knew how many songs had to be written in, and um, you account for it. You, you make space for it. What do you feel like when you're holding a tape like that? What kind of emotions does it trigger? Well, funny enough, being a journalist for 20 years, um, I used tapes to record interviews, and uh, it was only about four or five years ago I went to digital recording. So I'd used tapes up until then. I only stopped because I couldn't find fresh tapes. But um, holding this brings back memories of sort of 15 years of journalism and recording interviews off, off a little mini, mini tape recorder. So yeah, no, there's a lot of good memories to this. Well, it's amazing stuff. I mean, for such a cheap and crappy medium, it really has endured. I'd like to have it back. No, I don't know if I would. Um, there's nothing like when you're listening to a tape and it starts stretching and then it goes and then it finishes. The tape is wound around heads and things and you can't get it out and you're pulling and stretching. No, no, I didn't like this at all. I preferred either vinyl or CDs, to be honest. Did you remember hoying them out of cars? Yes, in, in a fit of temper when it had stretched and broken. Yeah, no, I've thrown lots of tapes out of the car. <laughs> I 
I kind of miss the highways on a summer day with this tape glistening in the sun in some beautiful remote location. Yes, with, with the, 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 the tape itself stretched for miles and sort of waving in the wind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't, I don't miss tapes at all, to be honest. But do you play them ever? Um, I have, because I'm converting all my old tapes into digital. And it's just a question of playing them, recording it onto a little digital recorder, and then archiving them. It's all that. I, I, I don't listen to them actively. Did you have this debate about what is better, 60s or 90s oh, or yeah. TDK? Oh, yeah, all the time. Let's just and, go through that. And God help you if you had a 120. The feeling was that the 60 was a slightly thicker tape. They lasted much longer. 90s were the limit. You, you don't go much that. But the 120s, if you played that, the tape was too thin because that's full into the same you know, sort of cassette space. And that tape was very thin and it didn't last very long. So the 90s was perfect for compilations because you had quite a lot of music. 60s was too short. But the tape lasted longer. Well, that was the argument we used to have. And what about the makes? Uh, TDK. Yeah, TDK was it. Or BASF. We used to think BASF was shit. No, um, it might have been. I don't know. But TDK was the one that we always bought. But the TDK 90, there was a gold one, if I remember, that, that we used to use. And that was like the, the Supremo tape. If you had money, that, that was what you bought. And that was the thing, if you had money. It was. Because you buy those packs. And you had the little cheapy tapes covered in red plastic, if I remember. And there were also Sony tapes. And my old man used to swear by the Sony cassettes. Didn't you have this fight about Maxell and the Maxell chromes being like the best chromes ever? No, I wasn't in an Iraq. <laughs> like some of us interviewing me now. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Sunday Times Travel Podcast, and I'm Paul Ash. Do you have any tape stories? Tell me about them. You can reach me on travelmag at sundaytimes.co.za. I look forward to hearing from you.